Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Daniel chapter 3. Verse 1 says this, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. Now jump to verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I've set up? I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue that I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be immediately thrown into the blazing furnace. And then, then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Verse 17. There should be a verse 17. There's not a verse 17. That's all right. Let's pray. It's good stuff. We'll get there in a second. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a chance to be in your house today. Lord, you've been good to us so far. You've allowed us to be in your presence, and we don't deserve to be in your presence. And Lord, I just pray that that you would anoint our ears to hear your voice. Not my voice, but your voice. And I pray that you'd help us not just to be hearers of the word, but doers of it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Here's verse 17. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, King just asked, what God's going to be able to save you? They answered his question. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Now, a few weeks ago, uh, we started in this series called the Fire Walking Series. The Fire Walking Series. We found five principles in the fiery furnace experience of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we're trying to learn those principles and apply those things to the times that we walk through the fire ourselves. Because the reality is, everybody walks through the fire. Everybody walks through the fire. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how many Bibles you own. I don't care how good looking you are. I don't care how rich and powerful you are. It doesn't matter how gifted, how connected you are. Everybody walks through seasons of fire. And the first week we learned the fire focus principle. We learned that if you will focus on God as both Savior and Sovereign, that it will help keep you grounded in peace and help you to trust Him with the outcome. Maybe even an outcome that you didn't think about. Last week was the fire friendship principle. Sometimes it takes the fire to get your senses alert enough to recognize that Jesus is always there. 
He will, he will use the fire to reveal himself to you in a way that maybe you've never seen him before. That fire-forged friendship uh, can only be found one way. Now today is the fire freedom principle. The fire freedom principle. Let's look at a couple of other scriptures as we get started. John chapter 8, very familiar. Jesus said, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. You are free indeed, right? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, right? Liberty, freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed, that's all of us who've trusted in in Christ as our Savior, all of us who've had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we're changed into His glorious image. Now, let let me ask you an easy question. When Jesus was on this earth, was He free or in bondage? Did anything bind him or hold him back? No. He was completely free of any of the sins or the entanglements of this world. Completely focused on the will of the Father. As a matter of fact, not even the nails could hold Jesus to the cross. Right? He, he told the Roman governor, Pilate, right before Pilate sentenced Jesus to death, he said, you don't have any power over me except what I give you. Right? Right? Those nails did not take his freedom. He chose the nails. Death didn't take his freedom. He chose death so he could conquer it. He could get the keys. Jesus isn't bound by anything. So being more and more like Jesus means getting more and more free from the things that tie us up and hold us back. Freedom. Freedom. Now, nobody wants to be tied up and held back. Everybody wants to be free. The question is, now listen, the question is, do you still want to be free even if your freedom comes through the fire? Do you still want to be free even if your freedom comes through the fire? See, we're good Pentecostals around here, and we want a mighty move of the Holy Spirit to blow blow in and take every chain that binds us, right? And listen, I'm good with that. I'm not mad about that. That kind of deliverance happens. But what usually prepares us for that kind of deliverance may very well be a season of fire walking. Jesus said when he sets you free, you're really free. He said he's going to make us more and more like himself as we go. But some of the things that have the strongest hold over our lives will only get resolved in the fire. Let me show you what I mean. Daniel chapter 3, we're going to pick up right where we left off. Now verse 19. Verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his face became distorted with rage. And he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. And then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and they threw them into the furnace fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the the soldiers as they threw the three men in. 
So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them in the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth man looks like a god. Now, four times in that passage, four times, it points out that before they were thrown into the furnace, these three Hebrew guys were tied up. Their hands, certainly, and probably their feet were bound before they went into the fire. But they were completely free when they walked out of the fire. Listen, there's a purpose for every fire that you walk through. And many times, it's to burn off the things that have us bound so that we can experience the freedom that Jesus talks about. See, we fight and whine for the end of our time in the fire, right? We do. We fight, we whine, we groan. But what if God is keeping us there long enough to set us free? Long enough for the fire to burn through the ropes. So here's the fire freedom principle that I want us to learn today. He will set you free by the fire before he frees you from the fire. He'll set you free by the fire before he releases you from the fire. They were clothed head to toe, pants, turban, shirts, the whole whole deal, in the apparel of the day. That didn't get burned up. Their skin, skin burns. Skin was fine. The hair of their head, fine. The only thing that got burned up were the ropes that bound them. Listen, nobody likes to walk through the fire. If you like walking through the fire, something is wrong with you, like bad wrong in the head. You need to get checked out. Nobody should like walking through the fire. It feels like you're going to die, right? It feels like you're on fire. It might feel like the fire is killing you, but it might just be saving your life. The Bible doesn't say how long they stayed in there. But it was long enough to burn off what bound them. But don't miss the spiritual reality that's taking place. No matter how long the fire lasts, the only stuff that that you're losing is the stuff you didn't need in the first place. When you walk out of the fire, you're still going to have every good thing that God wants you to have. But the stuff that was tying you up and holding you back will be nothing but black smoke and a distant memory. Right? The fire will reveal the true nature of some of the things that are in your life right now. There are things that you think you want. There are things that you think you need. There are things that you have the right to do or to say or to have or to think. But the fire is going to reveal the truth. Some of the things you think you're holding on to are actually holding on to you. They aren't rights, they're ropes. And they aren't making your life better, they're stealing your life from you. Just because you're used to it doesn't mean it's good for you. When the fire reveals that you're bound by something, then let it go. Let it go. Somebody came to me after service last week, we talked about the fire, and and they said they'd done a lot of research and 
and had uh, looked into it. And, and, and the fact that Nebuchadnezzar made the fire seven times hotter, and, and the, the number seven means completion and perfection, that, that indicates it was the fire of God. This was no ordinary fire. It was the fire of God. That's why God's three servants didn't get burned up. Just like the fire that blazed in front of Moses but didn't consume the bush, this fire blazed around the Hebrew guys, but it didn't consume them. The, the fire of God never harms the things of God. The only thing to fear losing to the fire of God are the things that are not of him, they're not for him, and they're not like him. I want you to look at this passage in Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. And now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the, he- the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation, any created people in here? <laughs> the rest of y'all, y'all are hatched. What, you, what? I thought that was an easy one. Okay. All of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we're receiving a kingdom, God's kingdom, see the capital K, that's unshakable, let us be thankful and, pray, and, and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. Watch this. For our God is a consuming or devouring fire. If God shakes everything until only the unshakable things remain, it, it also follows that, the, that only fireproof things will remain after your fire walking season is over. We're always in such a hurry to be delivered from the fire that sometimes we forget that the fire may be exactly how our deliverance is coming to us. You say, John, listen, I get it. You can stop saying it now. I understand. I'm just telling you I don't like it. <laughs> and I get that. You say, listen, I'm, I'm walking through this fire. I hear what you're saying. I don't know if I'm getting closer to Jesus. I don't know if I'm getting more like him. Well, let me show you another passage that might help you get there. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, in, including the fire kind, come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll become perfect and complete, needing nothing. So I think we can all agree that fire walking fits the definition of trouble in this this passage, right? Fire, Fire walking is definitely troubling. When that happens, when you're walking through the fire... He says you have an opportunity for great joy. Joy in and from the fire is not a given. It's not automatic. You have an opportunity, but it's not a given. That's why you might not be feeling it. He says when your faith is tested, you have a chance to grow. Growth in and from the fire is not a given. It's not automatic. Just because you're walking through the fire doesn't mean that you're automatically going to have joy or have growth. It's a choice. It's a choice. What did he say? He said, let it grow. You have to allow it. You have to choose it. You have to look for it. You have to focus on it. 
You get your focus on the fact that he's just as much God in the fire as he is on the outside of the fire. You get your focus on the fact that he's still good and he's still present even though you're in the fire. You get your focus on the fact that he is a friend that you're going to find in the fire. The fourth man standing right beside you. You get your focus on the fact that he's using the fire to set you free. That's where the joy comes from. Not, not happiness, but a sustaining joy. That's where the peace comes from. Not pleasure, but this foundational peace. That's where the intimacy comes from. It's not a feeling, but it's the faith to believe that the fire is purifying you. It's burning out all the imperfections and the barriers that have been between you and Jesus are being removed. That's where the freedom comes from. Knowing that you're no longer bound by the things the enemy placed in your life to keep you from becoming like Jesus. Say, John, how long do I have to stay in the fire? Long enough for Jesus to use the fire to set you free. And not just free, but truly free indeed. A friend of mine and I were talking this week, and, and uh, she pointed out that sometimes we get delivered from things in our life for a little while, but then we get out of the fire, things start to return to the way they used to be. And we slowly start getting bound by the things that we had just been set free from. And, and her point was, there's a difference in getting set free and being free indeed. That when we shortchange the season of fire, when we beg and plead and take the first exit out of the fire, that we might get a little relief from the symptoms, but we're not getting to the root cause. John, I don't know about that. What, what happened? You remember Jesus healed the ten lepers? And, and nine of them just, walked, just kept going, and one came back and thanked him. And the word says that, that that leper was not just cleansed, he was cured. There, there very well can be a difference between a, a relief from the symptoms and the complete healing from the root cause of whatever's going on in your life. If you're going to be free indeed, you're going to have to lean into the season. You're going to have to lean into the deliverance and ask the Lord to keep you there long enough to walk out completely and totally free indeed. Now, here's the question. What are the things that are binding you? What are the things? What are the ropes in your life? Is it pride? I would venture to say every one of us has some element, some manifestation of pride that binds us in our lives. It's not just that you think you're better than everybody else or that you look down on everybody. Self-reliance is pride. When you think you got this, you ain't got this. And you're full of pride to think you do. So like, and, and all the billions of people that lived on the earth, you finally figured out how to do this all by yourself. Nobody else figured that out. You got that. That's pride. That's pride. What about fear? We sang about it. Right? We sang about it. Speak the name of Jesus over all. Fear and anxiety have, are gripping this nation like, a, like an epidemic. 
And it holds people back. I'm not criticizing it. I, I'm, I've been there myself. I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying it's a fact. And if we, if we don't recognize it as bondage, we're never going to get free from it. What about addiction? There, there are things that you may be addicted to that you didn't even think people could be addicted to. But if it's how you get through the day, if you're more dependent on it than you are on Jesus, it's an addiction. What about past sins? And bad decisions. Anybody made a bad decision? Like just one? Same people that weren't created? All right, good. All right. Thank you. So, yeah, you you can beat yourself up. Valerie was telling me about something that happened to somebody that that she knows in their childhood and, and said the person responsible for it, it's been 40 years, still won't talk about it. Still won't talk about it. And I get that, but it's a form of bondage. We can be so hung up on the things that we did, we won't let ourselves off the hook for just being human. Shame, guilt, condemnation, none of that's from God. None of it. And all of that is keeping you from the freedom that comes from the Spirit of Jesus. We need to be free. We need to be free. Jordan's talking about running three miles, which, like, God bless you, Jordan. I ain't going. I'll track you in the car if you want me to. I'll shout encouragement from the driver's window. Hebrews 12 says that we're in a race. And if we're going to run, we better shed the things that are weighing us down. Because Jordan's a smart dude. I know he's way too smart to just put, put on his heavy his parka and grab luggage and weights and run around the track. That's just stupid. But we do that. Right? We, we carry all our weights, all our chains, all the baggage of our lives, everything that's held us back and tied us up, and we just, we just keep, we're used to it, so we just drag it around with us. We need to be free. Amen. Now, this, this passage about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, obviously I've read it, uh, I don't know how many times, hundreds of times probably, you have too, but something jumped out at me this week. Um, about the description of the soldiers who threw the guys in the fire. The Bible says that they were strong men. They're strong men. As a matter of fact, it it says they were among the strongest in the king's vast army. Um, It was their identification as strong men that got my attention. But I want to set it up for you like this so you understand the connection. These soldiers, they were physically strong. But they did not go and do what they did on their own. They didn't just go on their own, grab these guys, tie them up, and throw them in the fire. They only did as they were told. They were commanded to do that. Their orders came from King Nebuchadnezzar. So in a sense, he was really the strong man, right? He was the one with the power and the authority to execute the prisoners. The soldiers were just carrying out the will of the king. He was the real strong man. But also don't forget that what was happening in this, in this scene was not just a physical issue. It wasn't just happening in the natural. It wasn't really just about throwing three rebels in a furnace. This was a spiritual battle. Amen. Y'all with me? This was a, I know that seems kind of freaky. We don't talk about stuff that we can't see. But you, you, can't, you can't be a Christian and not believe in the supernatural. There's no natural version of Christianity. 
None of this makes any sense if there's no, if there's no supernatural, if there's no spirit world. And so it's, this was a spiritual battle. What's clear from Scripture, when you read it, Old Testament, New Testament, it, it's, it's clear that there is a world around us that we can't lay our eyes on. But it's still there. And what happens in the physical world is affected by and decided by what happens in the spirit world. Nebuchadnezzar may have been the strong man politically and militarily, but there was still another strong man behind his throne who was actually pulling the strings. And that person is described in the first chapter of Ephesians as the prince of the power of the air, the spirit at work in the hearts of all those who refuse to obey God. And Nebuchadnezzar clearly fit that definition of refusing to obey God. Who is that person? It's our enemy, the devil. He was the real strong man behind King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, let me show you how this all ties together. And this is what got my attention. The Gospel of Mark um, tells, the, tells the account of Jesus. Had, he had gotten quite the reputation for delivering people from demonic oppression and possession. Um, and the Jewish naysayers were gathering around and they were trying to find other explanations for this. And they said, we got it. We got it figured out. You're possessed by Satan. That's why the demons listen to you. And Jesus said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He did. That's the King John version. He said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why would Satan cast out Satan? And he said, a house divided against itself is never going to prosper. Makes no sense for Satan to cast out Satan. And then Jesus said something I want you to see. is in Mark chapter 3, verse 27. He, he, Jesus said, let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. It's clear that Jesus was referring to Satan as the strong man of this world. The one pulling the strings behind the scenes, trying to come against the will of God and the people of God. Let me ask you a question. This is an easy one too. Do you ever feel like all hell is coming against you? You ever heard anybody say, my life was easier before I started following Jesus? Have you ever heard that? It's only because it's true. <laughs> it's because when you're on the Lord's side, you have an entire spirit world full of enemies. And those enemies are going to come against you. They are going to attack you. They are going to tempt you. They are going to try to bind you and weigh you down and confuse you and distract you and tie you up and throw you in the fires of life every chance they get. But that is not the end of the story. Because Jesus, in the front half of that verse, did portray Satan as the strong man. But then he said he described himself as the one who is stronger than Satan. He said there is one stronger who comes in. And he overpowers and he binds the strong man. Satan is strong, but Jesus is stronger. Right? Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So what does Jesus do to Satan? He binds him up and he robs his kingdom. In other words, Jesus takes the power of the strong man away so that God's kingdom can advance and, and conquer. When the strong man of Babylon 
King Nebuchadnezzar, ordered the strong men of the army to tie up the three Hebrew guys. Jesus, the strongest man, met them in the fire, and he took care of it personally. He showed up and did it himself. And Jesus didn't love those three guys any more than he loves any one of you. What did these guys tell the, tell the king before he threw them in the fire? They said, listen, the God we serve will rescue us from your power. It was a statement of faith. They had no clue how it was going to happen. They just they stated it as a fact. I, the, you, he's going re, to rescue us from your power. So it was a statement of faith, but it was also a prophetic utterance. Because Jesus, just a few minutes later, took the power of the strong man, Nebuchadnezzar. He essentially tied him up. The king had intended to bind and destroy the servants of God, but Jesus turned it around on him. Jesus bound the king's authority to destroy these men. He destroyed that plan instead, and he loosed the three servants of God who were in that fire. And what did Jesus do to Satan? the strong man behind Nebuchadnezzar. He did what Jesus always does. He took what the enemy meant for evil and he turned it around for good. Nebuchadnezzar was so overwhelmed by the demonstration of the power of God in that moment, he actually issued a decree to the heathen Babylonian kingdom and said, don't nobody mess with the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because I ain't never seen nothing like this. Right? Jesus overpowered the strong man of this fallen world, tied him up, freed his kids, and then stole all the glory for himself. So what do you do when you're going through a fire? What do you do? You understand that Jesus is still the fourth man in the fire. And he's there as one stronger than whatever or whoever put you in that fire. He will bind the strong man. He will disarm him, cancel his plans, destroy his power, and set you free to carry out his will and bring glory to himself. Yes, the fire's hot. Yes, the season is long. But there's a principle at work here that needs time to play out to its fullest extent. God's not just going to deliver you from the fire. He's going to deliver you by the fire. The flames that you think are destroying you are only destroying the works of the enemy in your life. You will be shaken, but you're not crumbling. You're cast down, but you're not destroyed. You are troubled, but you are not distressed. You are confused, but you are not in despair. The enemy may come against you like a flood, but the fourth man in the fire will raise up a standard against him. See? The enemy may come against you one way, but he will flee seven ways. You might have stumbled into that fire all bound up, but you're going to walk out footloose and fancy free because Jesus is going to set you free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Y'all stand with me. Stand with me. I gave an altar call last week and just asked for people who were going through the fire to come down and we just about had more in the altar than we had in the chairs. So I'm not even going to question whether there's people standing in here, sitting in here, or people who are watching and listening to the podcast or online that are going through a fire. So let me just speak to you today. Don't lose hope. 
It's a season, and seasons change. Don't lose faith. He has not forsaken you. He has not forgotten you. He will not leave you in the fire for one minute longer than you have to be. He's promised to be with us, not just in the fire, but through the fire. And when you walk out on the other side, there will be an intimacy and a friendship with Jesus that you never thought was possible. That's what what freedom will do for you. So if you're going through a fire today, your base is unmuted. I want to invite you back to this altar. Or you can do it in your seat. You can do it wherever you are. But I want you to tell Jesus that you want to be set free from whatever's binding you in your life. Because I don't care how mature you get, there's always something that's trying to put a hold on us. So we need to constantly, uh, consistently come back to the Lord and fight, contend for our freedom. So just ask Him to reveal the things that might be binding you. Ask Him to set you free from those things and replace those things with His power and His presence and His righteousness. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you would draw every person in this room that's going through a fire, every person that's listening, wherever they are, that's going through a fire, I pray, Lord, that you would just manifest your presence to them right now. I pray that you draw them to this altar today if they're here. God, I pray that you would minister to them, that you would manifest yourself in their life to, uh, to, uh, to help them understand that you are with them in this fire and that the flames that feels like it's going to take their lives is actually just going to set them free. I pray, Lord, that they would ask you and receive today the freedom from the things that have been binding them and a revelation of your presence and your goodness through the fire name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.